Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's getting fuller every week. Good, hearty, good morning. So whether you're here in the room or joining us online this morning, we're grateful that you've chosen to set aside time to come to church this morning. We're in the second week of a new series called Ancient Wisdom, where we're taking a look at some lessons we can learn through the lives of individuals in the Old Testament. And I love that we're diving into these rich, amazing stories. They have a lot to teach us. This morning, we're going to be taking, taking a look at someone you may not have heard much about in the Old Testament. His name is Gideon, and his story is told in the book of Judges, chapters 6 through 8. Now, I wouldn't fault you if you said, I've never read the book of Judges. It's a brutal book. It basically details the history of Israel before they could even be considered a nation. And it's about a 500-year time span, and in that era... There only was political or military leadership for all of the people of Israel at a few points in those 500 years. What they were basically was a loose affiliation of 12 tribes. And what's really clear if you read Judges is that every one of those 12 large families went their own direction and did whatever they thought was right. They played by their own rules, and as a result the entire nation falls into a very predictable pattern. It goes like this. A trusted leader dies. The people then regress. They stop following God. And when they stop following God, problems come. Most often it came in the form of a brutal invasion by another country. And when that happened, the people turned to God and begged him to save them. And God rescued them. He supplied a judge as a military and political leader to address that specific crisis they found themselves in. And the judges saved the day, and the people followed God again. And life was good until that leader died. And then the whole pattern started again. And while this pattern is, in hindsight, really, really clear as you read the book of Judges, For centuries, the entire nation was clueless. Nobody recognized the pattern. Nobody picked up on the connection between their actions and the consequences that followed. Gideon's story teaches us a lot about God's grace, about how he listens to and rescues people who have rejected him. He rescues them from a hopeless situation through an imperfect and unlikely hero. And if we listen closely, his story can teach us a lot about the patterns of weakness and doubt in our own lives. So Gideon's personal life, just in these three chapters is where it's contained, Gideon's personal life doesn't really stand out as an example of how we should follow God. Gideon lacked courage. He was riddled with fear and doubt. And he had serious questions about the chaos in his world and why God didn't do something about it. His story begins in Judges 6, and I'm going to summarize these three chapters, otherwise we'd be longer than we wanted, me just reading those three chapters. And various scriptures will be on the screen that I'm quoting from, uh, but you can read the story for yourself. As you read it, it becomes really apparent where the nation of Israel is in this cycle that they go through for 500 years. You can tell where they are. Judges 6.1 says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
Now, these were seven horrible years for the average person living in Israel. The Midianites, with regularity, swept in, descended on Israel like a horde of locusts. They stole crops, they captured and killed livestock, and when they left town, they left nothing for Israel to eat. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. You see the cycle? It's in this context we get our first glimpse of Gideon. It is harvest time, which means your crops are ready and the Midianites are coming to steal whatever crops you've grown. Gideon has harvested his crop of wheat. And rather than threshing that wheat, removing the grain from the stalks, rather than threshing it out in the open, he is deep in a wine press, below ground, hiding, doing his work in hopes that the Midianites won't find him. That's when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) Don't, Don't miss the humor in that. At this point, Gideon is a lot of things. But a mighty warrior is not one of them. He's a scared farmer. He's on the brink of starvation. He's hiding in a wine press, hoping no one finds him. And yet, That's not what God sees when he looks at Gideon. He sees something different. He sees what Gideon can become. Here's the first lesson I think we learn out of Gideon's story. It can be challenging for us to believe what God believes about us. The voice is in our head. The negative talk is really strong. It reminds us of our past. It points out the current struggles that we're having. And God's not blind to our doubt or Gideon's. He knows everything about us in graphic detail. But God chooses to see us in light of his mercy and his grace. God sees the potential in us if we can but trust him. And that's why he said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, while I question the second half of that phrase, mighty warrior, Gideon himself questioned the first half, God is with us. I would love to say that this affirmation from God changed him instantly, filled him with confidence and strength, but it's just not so. Instead, he's standing face to face with an angel of God, a messenger, and Gideon voices his doubt. He says, all right, so if the Lord's with us, why is all this happening to us? Gideon's problem is our problem. He sees all the bad things around him, and he questions God's presence and God's goodness, not just in his life, but in his world. What Gideon misses is the truth that we can see now in this cycle of disobedience with Israel. The reality is it's not God has abandoned his people. It's that God's people have forgotten and abandoned him. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that everything bad that happens in our life is directly tied to some disobedience in our life. But our decisions that we make in life are at the root of our problems more often than we'd like to admit. Gideon looks around. He's filled with doubt about the faithfulness and goodness of God. And if God is allowing this to happen, how can I trust that he'll be with me if I choose to be a warrior? 
God is really gracious to Gideon in this. He meets him at this point of weakness, and he doesn't correct him, and he doesn't lecture him. He doesn't go into the history of Israel from the beginning of time to now and say, this is how I've been faithful. God hears his doubt and gives him this beautiful phrase. He says, just go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. That phrase is the second lesson from Gideon's life, his doubt. Sometimes we just have to go with the strength we have. Throughout Gideon's story, there is this uneasy dance between Gideon and God. Gideon tests God's faithfulness. God tests Gideon's obedience. And Gideon constantly wrestles with doubt in this. Will God be with me? How can I really know for sure? That wrestling comes to a climax when the Midianite army does come over the horizon and comes in full force to raid and plunder. And God then tells Gideon to assemble an army to go out and fight them. And Gideon says, okay, God, I know you said you're with me, but I need proof. So I'm going to leave a fleece here on this wooden threshing floor below ground. I'm going to leave it overnight. And when I come back in the morning, if the floor is dry and the fleece is wet, then I'll know without a doubt that you'll be with me. So Gideon comes back in the morning. The floor is dry. He picks up the fleece and he wrings out not just a few drops, but a bowl full of water. That's pretty amazing, right? That's pretty convincing. That's a very specific answer to Gideon's prayer. But Gideon's not convinced. Maybe this is just a fluke, right? Let's do this one more time, God, he says. And this time, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. And that's exactly what happened. Now, it's important for us to understand, this is not Gideon trying to understand or discover God's will for his life. His will for Gideon's life is really, really clear. You're to assemble an army and go fight the Midianites. These signs that Gideon demands are about nothing other than his doubt, which is really bizarre because there's no other character in the book of Judges who gets as much confirmation from God, as much direct messaging from God as Gideon does. And no one displays more doubt. I think the simple fact that God answers these requests from Gideon shows his patience and his grace in Gideon's life as he continues to doubt. Now, his weak faith is propped up just enough that he agrees to go fight the Midianites. And the Midianites were an army of 135,000 battle-tested troops. And that's when God pushes Gideon's doubt the hardest. He says to Gideon, great job, dude. Dude is not in the Old Testament, but that's how I hear it. Great job, dude. 33,000 men have come out to fight. That's simply amazing. But that's too many men. In fact, four to one odds are too good for you. With those odds, it's difficult but not impossible that your army could defeat the Midianites and you'd win the battle. So what God did through another series of tests of Gideon's faith is he pruned that army down to 300 men. The odds are now 450 to 1. And in the ancient city of Las Vegas, all bets are on the Midianites. Do the math. 
Every one of Gideon's soldiers is going to have to kill, on average, 450 Midianites to win. How's your faith now, Gideon? Pretty shaky, I would imagine. But God, in the middle of this, is teaching Gideon a third lesson. True faith is not when we have all the answers. True faith is choosing to follow God in spite of our doubt, in spite of our questions. And if Gideon teaches us anything, it's that there will never be enough signs or miracles or dreams or visions to erase all of our doubt. Sometimes we just have to go with the strength we have. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but odds are a lot of us in this room are facing something, some decision, some challenge, some problem in our life where you feel like the odds are stacked against you. What is that problem that looms life in, large in your life or in your family today? How much assurance, how much evidence will it take to trust God in that circumstance? One fleece? Two, an angel appearing in a vision? How can we know for sure? For most of life's tough decisions, I doubt any of us will ever get 100% certainty of the outcome. The Bible never shames us for having doubts or questions. But at some point, we have to decide. We have to move forward with whatever mixture of faith and doubt we have believing God will be with us no matter what. I think part of our challenge in this is that we have this mistaken idea that God will never give us anything more than we can handle. Have you heard people say that? Maybe you've said it yourself. I've heard it in some of the most horrible circumstances of life. Someone trying to cheer another person up will say, well, just remember, God will never give us more than we can handle. The problem is, that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible teaches that we are regularly going to face challenges that are bigger than us. And at times, we'll feel like we're in a battle where the odds are 450 to 1 against us. Times where we'll have tons of doubt and fear. Times when we realize we can't handle what's in front of us. And those moments are the moments that teach us just how much we really need God or we will absolutely fail. When God was done pruning the army, Gideon knew he needed God. There was no doubt in his mind. He's down down to 300 men. He goes in the strength that he has, and here's what happened. Gideon divides his army of 300 men The Bible describes it this way. He said he divided his army into groups of 100 men, three groups, which I question is a strong battle strategy, right? I mean, your odds are way against you, 300 against the others. Now it's 100 in separate camps. But the Bible says they surrounded the camp of the 135,000 warriors. I think that's a generous description to say that they surrounded them. Every man was armed with some really strange weapons. They were given a 20-gallon clay pot to carry, and inside of it was a lit torch. The only other thing they were given was a trumpet. Now, I tried to play the trumpet 
when I was a kid, and I made some scary sounds, but I don't think it was enough to scare an army away, not even with 300 men. They were acting on faith. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. So they went on the hills around the camp of the Midianites, and at midnight, every one of them simultaneously broke those 20-gallon pitchers, and the torches lit up the night sky. And then they blew their trumpets, all 300 at once. And here's what happens. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the Midianite camp to turn on each other with their swords. Chaos and confusion broke out in the camp. And in that chaos and confusion, 120,000 Midianite soldiers were killed by their own hands. Not by Gideon's army. They sat on a distant hill. They watched as God won the battle for them against all odds and in a way that no military leader would have ever imagined. How would you respond in that moment? Right? You're sitting there, you're watching this, you're going, holy cow. I mean, I'd like to believe that in that moment, all my doubt would be gone, especially with everything God has done for Gideon up to that point, that my faith in God would be a thousand times stronger than it was before. But sadly, even before the battle is over, Success goes to Gideon's head. He gets overconfident. And he begins this downward spiral of broken, sinful behavior. He exacts murderous revenge on the 15,000 men who are left, and even on the people of his own nation who refuse to join in the battle. Gideon's arrogance casts a long shadow on his life and his legacy. Maybe the final lesson of Gideon's life is really simple. We have to be careful in our success. When God rescues us, when God helps us, when God guides us, it's often easy to get full of ourselves. A little success, and we can start to take responsibility for outcomes that we had no control over. It's easy to minimize our struggles once God resolves the issue. Gideon's life teaches us again and again that our strengths can often be just as dangerous as our, uh, to our faith as our doubt. Success can distract us from God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, his hand in bringing us through the tough times. The Apostle Paul described these events with these words in the New Testament. He said, all these stories are warning markers in our history books. They're written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our position in the story is parallel to theirs. They're at the beginning of the story, we're at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. So don't be naive. Don't be self-confident, because you're not exempt. You can fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. I love this. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. I don't know about you, but I am fully aware of the extent that I can mess my own life up. I'm aware of the messes I make 
when I get full of myself and I take control of the situation. I'm also aware that the doubts creep into my mind when I face insurmountable odds, when I face really tough decisions in life. And if we're honest, there have been a lot of tough decisions to make in this last year. But I don't want to live in doubt. I don't want to live my life controlled by doubt. And I don't want to live a life based on self-confidence either. I don't want to repeat the failures of Gideon or anyone else. What I want for me and what I want for you is to live an honest relationship with God. Where we know that faith will always be mingled with doubt. And where we wrestle with the tough decisions and we pray honest prayers to God. He's got big shoulders. You can say a lot to him. God confidence doesn't demand that we deny our doubts. It gives us the strength and assurance that with God, we can face any challenge that life throws at us. God confidence allows us to admit that our doubt is real, but our faith in God is far greater. And even if the whole world is against us, God confidence allows us to move forward with whatever faith we have.